Hello, everyone, and welcome to Teach Right, a podcast for first-time teachers, experienced instructors, and anyone else interested in how we learn and teach writing. I'm Daniel Anderson, and we're coming to you from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. Today, we're going to be looking back at writing instruction during the late 20th century and at the ways that tenets of writing instruction persist and shift over time. We have three guests today, and I'll go ahead and let them introduce themselves. Hi, uh, I'm Madison Stores. I am a new PhD student at the University of North Carolina, and this is my second time teaching a first-year writing course, first time teaching it here at UNC. Hi, I'm Shelby. Um, I'm also a new PhD student in the Department of English and Comparative Literature at UNC. And although I have taught before first-year writing, this is my first time teaching it at UNC. So excited to get into that and talk about the structure of the course. Hi, my name's Laura Nicole Purr. I am a slightly less new PhD student at UNC. Um, I'm a second year and uh, I have some experience adjacent to teaching writing, but this is my first time being in charge of a classroom. Fantastic. Um, I'd like to start with some personal experiences and maybe go back in time to your own experiences when you were taught to write, particularly college writing, if that uh, was a class that you took. So what models were you exposed to when you learned to write in college? I think I was exposed to a very traditional format um, in my first year writing course at Nichols. Um, we were required to do a narrative essay, profile essay, and then more of a traditional argument um, style paper. I was lucky enough to have a very experienced composition instructor who gave us, you know, good advice on how to write um, for academia. So she did focus a lot on, you know, style and mechanics. Um, so that was my experience in first year writing. I'm in kind of a tough position to comment on this because I bypassed my composition courses because of AP credits. Um, so I am in like an interesting position when it comes to reflecting on this because for me, I took those courses so long ago back in high school that writing is now kind of instinctive to me. And so it's hard for me to kind of remember even items that I was taught. I mean, I'm sure I must have been taught argumentation at some point. I know I had oral requirements. Yeah, I was also someone that did not take first year writing. So it does feel a little weird teaching it. And honestly, in my college experience, I never really had a moment where an instructor broke down what writing should look like. Uh, really, it wasn't until a master's class that we broke down a, an article written by an academic and started thinking about structure. So I feel like elementary and middle school was really <laughs> when I had very directed instruction on how to write. And so it's actually kind of comforting coming to a program that wants to teach technically how to write. So um, Madison and Laura, not having had a college uh, writing course. I'm curious if you can talk a little bit about your um, pre-college experience with teaching writing. One criticism of high school writing instruction is it tends to follow a current traditional model, often even devolving into the five-paragraph essay. So were there aspects of writing instruction pre-college that 
stand out to you or that you had to unlearn? What, what, is, what is happening before students even get to campus? I think for me, the hardest part was experimenting with my writing. I had a really tough time breaking from that kind of five paragraph, like this is how your argument should go. This is how your essay should flow. And being a perfectionist, it was difficult for me to look at my writing as something that was fluid and saying, okay, this paragraph really doesn't fit here. And kind of copying and pasting it somewhere else was almost like open heart surgery on my writing. And so it was just really tough feeling like I had the safety to experiment and break free from those like older traditions because of like the emphasis on like, I need to get an A in this class. So how can I game the system to do it well, instead of like, given the opportunity to have my own voice in in college. I never really had that problem with fluidity, um, mostly because I feel like fluidity was so encouraged for me, even in high school. I mean, I, of course, remember in middle school or earlier being taught the hamburger model of the essay where the, the bun is the introduction and then the body paragraphs are the toppings and then the other bun is the conclusion. But I feel like a lot of my high school classes kind of had this undercurrent to them of you should already know this. And so it has been a very long period of time since I've actually even gotten instruction in like the very strict, here's how you structure your argument sort of thing, because we were already being expected to be fluid in our arguments. Maybe this is because I was one of those kids who was saddled with AP classes. But yeah, fluidity was not particularly a problem for me. I wish I could ask all of my classmates if they were having problems with adapting because there was almost a lack in that more traditional instruction for us. All experiences are going to vary, I suppose. So it's hard to, to make um, generalizations. But I did hear narrative argumentation. I heard from Madison five paragraph or like kind of rigid structural things. And those are making me think of modes of discourse, which is a way of teaching writing by saying there are certain kinds of writing, writing to inform writing to entertain, writing to persuade. Are those modes still of high value then? Uh, it sounds like you were experiencing them. And if they are still of high value, what happens to approaches to teaching writing, the tenets for teaching writing, when new ones come along, do the old ones just kind of perpetually get carried forward until we have a huge stack? Or do some of them get closed off at some point? I think for me, because I was coming from an educational background that wasn't all that advanced. The structure of that type of first year composition course was good for someone like me. It wasn't until later when I got into literature courses that I was able to experiment more with, with my writing, deconstruct some of those ideas. So looking back, I think, you know, there's some value in those modes um, to start, but I'm wondering how you know, to locate where the transition exactly happens, where you build the skills to start expanding and developing your own identity as a writer. So one of our classmates had a thought that uh, connects to this idea about modes of writing. And um, I'll just read the, the quote. 
Recently, I've been second-guessing my Unit 3 final project, A Personal Narrative, because in some ways it seems like it might be too personal of a genre for the composition classroom. It's not an argument or some kind of statement of empirically verifiable fact, just a narrative. What do you all make of that? Does, does the writing in these courses that we're teaching have to translate into something pragmatic, or is personal exploration still of, of value in, in university writing? Oh, I mean, I have, I think it's a value, um, but whether the university values that is kind of a different question because I feel like universities in general and their writing departments have been starting to, as Fulkerson discusses, have been starting to kind of lean towards really focusing on the professionalization aspect and like a degree is something now that gets you ready for the job market, not something that you get to make you into a completely well-rounded citizen. Um, you know, back in the day, it used to be normal to take Latin and Greek if you were getting a university degree. And now it's more like you should take things that are strictly going to be useful to you in your profession. And I think because I'm in humanities, I'm a little bit biased towards that more traditional, like everything is valuable to helping you make your mind flexible and make it um, adaptable to all kinds of different situations. But in terms of if we're going towards the professionalization thing, maybe it is less useful for that. Um, but if you're talking about making people more well-rounded in general, of course, a, a personal narrative can be useful. It helps you understand yourself. You can make an argument that it does help with professionalization because it's giving students the opportunity to experiment with their voice, to practice writing without fearing that they're doing something wrong. And I feel like, especially with my students, it's this fear of doing something wrong and not wanting to take risks or even grow in their writing. And when you have assignments like that, it kind of gives a it almost feels like lower stakes and it it allows more practice and engagement in an assignment rather than trying to figure out, well, what does the rubric say and what do how do I need to fit into a rubric? Yeah, I think it's definitely important to know how you perceive that sort of assignment, um, how you understand narrative writing and um, participate in that type of activity yourself. Um, it makes me think of a project that I did in undergrad where I interviewed students about their perspectives on narrative writing. And a lot of them did not take it seriously. Um, but I feel like that has a lot to do with how it's introduced to them initially, what they see getting out of it. And I think people are often uncomfortable with narrative writing because it requires that introspection. And if you're already not self-aware as a person or even as a writer, then of course that's going to be an uncomfortable activity that you don't take too seriously. So I want to ask about the aims of the writing course then. Uh, one of the articles that we read by Fulkerson had a quote, I won't get it exact, but I'll paraphrase it, something like, students are, students see writing as a, a useful but difficult technology that they need to learn in order to be successful in the world, this sort of utilitarian, pragmatic piece. But I also heard some bits about self-discovery, like narrative writing, I can find my voice, uh, those sorts of things. So that's making me wonder about disciplinarity and institutional power dynamics 
as um, you know, utilitarian assignments play out, say, in the natural sciences, but when we get to the humanities, now we have permission to do this other work. Is there something like that happening in, in this kind of division? I really liked the the conversations that were happening in the Fulkerson about teachers' wants versus students' wants and content envy. I thought that was like, it kind of hit home too, like made me reflect on, okay, what do I want my students to get out of this course? But then also turning that question over to my students and asking what they want. And what they want is a lot of what my experience going into college was, that they want to make their writing a little bit more sophisticated. They want to take it to the next level. They want to learn genres and how to kind of engage in academic discourse, which then, as we talked as a whole class, like, how does that rub up against uh, uh, the theory? Like, should we be teaching these academic discourse modes and then uh, infusing in, okay, this is the discourse, this is how it can be problematic and kind of uh, we brought up translation. And so... I think democratizing it has helped me with that. What do my students want and where are they at uh, in their writing journey has helped. I really resonated with what Fulkerson was saying, where he kind of talked about how composition studies is kind of in for a little bit of a rough ride because there's just so much tension about what is the goal of this? Like, what are we trying to accomplish by teaching college students composition? And what would we like people to walk away with? I agree that there's a lot to do with sort of trying to bridge what the instructor wants versus what the university wants versus what the students want. But I think there's also a potential to be too flexible. Um, And I was really resonating with what um, Fulkerson was talking about with this sort of like, if you're too flexible and you're too, I guess, open to letting the field be completely changed in certain ways, um, it can kind of lead to nonsense lessons or students feeling like there's no substance to a course and perhaps even to like a field um, if you take that too far. And that's kind of why I like the structure that we have because it gives us the opportunity as new instructors to have that kind of like goal and like objectives like we're doing this by disciplines but within that there's a lot of freedom to like if you're really into like metacognitive process thinking like have a journal exercise where students reflect on their process like you can add in other stuff and it's it's really comforting for me as a first-time teacher to have that kind of like skeleton and then being able to infuse and experiment with like what I'm interested in as a teacher. I definitely agree with that flexibility, but I also see what you're saying when it comes to maybe having too much flexibility. So then it makes me think of what um, Faulkner ultimately suggests is that there has to be some type of um, neutral ground where we come together and decide, okay, these are our common goals. This is you know what we want students to get out of this, so on and so forth. It's a very full plate to teach a first-year writing course. There's a lot to cover, and that's making me think about this prioritization question about, you know, there's certain utilitarian things, and then there may be goals and aspirations that we have that we would like students to take away from the course as well. The boundaries that you create between your own desires and outcomes and then what the students are interested in and others may be interested in 
those can be really tricky. So let's talk about an extreme case. One of the, um, I think it was a, a kind of critical stance about writing courses that become cultural studies courses. And you mentioned content envy, like I need to teach about these cultural concerns. So how can we balance that? Is it, is it a no-go zone? Is it, you know, when do we have the boundary in the right place or the wrong place? I don't want to say it's totally a no-go zone, but I do really sympathize or feel sorry for or resent, I guess, that some students arrive on campus and find themselves alienated uh, from their classes before they've even really had a chance to learn. Um, because from where I'm standing, I kind of see composition studies as composition studies and you are there to learn how to write and ideally learning more about the world and learning more about yourself. In other words, things that critical cultural studies is aiming to teach people. I feel like that should come naturally as you develop your like capacity for critical thought. You know, I'm a little bit skeptical of trying to force that kind of content in an environment where students are already feeling very kind of stressed out because writing is so, so personal and they feel like it is difficult, um, a very difficult but very necessary skill for them to learn. And I feel like, especially in contemporary environments, it's very easy to turn your classroom into a space of culture war and frankly that just sounds brutal to be in as as a student it is important to make it kind of a neutral ground where people feel safe to experiment and really really focus in on the writing process and the content and that's what i feel like fulkerson was like almost brushing up and like trying to say is that like intention matters like when i've taught a first year writing course before uh, it was also broken up by discipline and for the social sciences I had them write autoethnographies and we did a generic breakdown of what it was so we were very focused primarily on genre and what does the the writing construction of this genre mean but it also like gave them the opportunity to like explore themselves so there's like somewhat of a personal narrative and then also do kind of that like social studies research um for the humanities i brought in uh, a really cool comic book lumberjanes and we read a, a academic article about like how it was a feminist and like communal expression of like friendship and so like i did bring in some material that was more like what i was interested in but the way that i used it in my class was we're gonna read this cool comic book to show comic books can be like academic we're also going to read a, an academic article but i'm going to teach you how to read this article so it wasn't about the content of the article more so that i was kind of scaffolding this uh skill that i wanted them to learn right right whenever i think of first year composition i tend to be more traditional um so i thought the same thing when reading about critical cultural studies often at least in my experience, you have students coming in who aren't, I guess, able to write in the ways that like academia expects them to write. So again, I take a more traditional approach um, to composition while at the same time trying to incorporate other types of approaches like metacognition, um, lots of introspective type of work. 
um, which I think can lead to better outcomes. So Fulkerson links this conversation, this part of our conversation with classes that focus on literature as well. And the handbook for teaching this class, English 105, makes this point pretty clearly that the text in the class should be student work rather than, you know, a novel or a short story or a set of plays or a set of cultural critiques or something like that. This idea that student work is the text of the class. Is that incompatible with taking on these social issues or how can we come up with a pragmatic way of making student writing and student thinking the focus while still giving ourselves room to teach about justice or to teach about history or, you know, understand beautiful works of art? I thought the uh, the question that Fulkerson raised about is it even possible to fit writing and reading into a single course? Like, I just loved that question because really... Is it? I mean, I think RET 105 kind of shows that it is a little bit too much to teach both of those things in one course. Um, I almost wish that it was possible to require students to do a literature course and a, a beginning composition course um, so that they could really get into both of them. Um, but to answer your, your question, Dan, um, I don't think that it's incompatible. I think almost ideally those things would be more naturally taught and explored in a literature course rather than a writing course. Because in one, you are reading somebody else's words and your interpretation is your own. Whereas in writing, it's like you can't force somebody to say something. Yeah, I don't know. I like... I feel like I'm like of the the mind that like you can't write if you don't read. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like, cause even in our conversations pre like recording, I was like looking up there are textbooks that are like writing to learn to read or there are textbooks that are like reading to write. And so like there have been conversations about like what comes first, like <laughs> the chicken or the egg. But I don't know, like if you even look at like any interview with like any author, like it's always like what's on your nightstand, like the New York Times by the book, uh, the Lit Hub like little uh, interviews that they do with writers, it's always, what are you reading? Where are you getting inspiration from? And then I, I think it does go back to what I said previously. It's like, what's the intention of bringing this outside material? What do you want students to get from it? Do you want to to talk about the ideas and content in it? Or do we want to talk about how are they getting their purpose like across through their technique? So one of the, I think philosophies or tenets in a lot of these articles about the teaching of writing is that we're making progress. And there's this sort of sense of a, you know, teleological advancement, things are getting better. So the idea that now we've moved into a space where we understand genres and the kind of networked world in which we live and how it shapes knowledge is placed against this notion of a current traditional model and that was very product-oriented, maybe ending in the mid-20th century. And it would even go to the level of copying at some point. Here's a really great treatise that so-and-so wrote. Why don't you make one just like it? And this sort of emulation model. 
And I'm wondering, hearing what you're saying about the text that students look at and reproduce in our classes, if maybe we're fooling ourselves that we've gone so far, like when we teach a genre-based writing course, are we really that far away from this current traditional model of here's some products, you could make one too? Dan, now that you bring it up, this kind of like, oh, this genre way of thinking about things is kind of bringing us back to a formula. It's like, oh, is there an objective goal that we have as instructors? Like what it brings it back to like that central question of like, what is the purpose of first year writing? Like, Mm -hmm. is it like despite all of our uh, opinions about like academic discourse, uh, I wasn't taught how to write in any other class. So like this could be the only opportunity that students have to get some sort of sense of what writing can look like. And that's why I like like metacognition stuff. It's like, yes, we have all of these like genres that we have to work within, but like you can make writing your own while still working within these kind of, you know, stringent genres. I think it's hard to even begin to formulate your own answer to that sort of question because both authors leave us on like these really broad and open-ended suggestions like here's all this information do what you want with it um so there's some direction but also no direction but thinking about activities like that um that require instructor and students to be very intentional about the work that they do is a start I think um but Yes, it, it's still like genre focused pedagogy does still, now that you bring it up, feel very formulaic. But I think that there's a good side to it and a bad side. <laughs> I agree. I um I will jump in to say I don't like hate a formula, you know, I mean, because sometimes you have to think about what's going to stick with people. And I feel like there is a value to being told here's what you need to know and here's how to do it. Like this is the real stuff that you have to know and which is directly applicable to your life. Make sure you're paying attention. So I do think there is value to doing it that way rather than doing the old timey Aristotle method where, you know, a a couple of geniuses will succeed and they'll get it and then the rest of the students will flounder. I think that formulas can be very effective to making sure that most, if not all people get it. My criticism is more, what is the context of it? Why are the formulas necessary? I think that's kind of what creates confusion sometimes in the classroom. And um, one of the authors brought this up is that in assigning something like argument writing, um, teachers often don't, you know, communicate those expectations like that. They don't expand on the formulas. Um, And so that creates more confusion and students are left to just kind of figure it out on their own. So I think more intention overall is required to meet those goals that we have as as teachers. Well, this has been a wonderful conversation. As uh, Shelby said, we're leaving it with more open questions than, uh, (laughs) than closed ones, which I think is appropriate. I can say that We have made progress, I believe. I think we understand that, you know, social conditions, the material world does shape writing. You can't just stamp out products in many ways. We have to think about the world in which this is uh, in which this is happening. And I want to thank my guests, Madison, Shelby and Lara, for a wonderful conversation and invite everyone to tune in next time for another episode of Teach Write. Thank you.